Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. Welcome to Infinity X from the Epic Podcast Studios here in Red Bank, New Jersey. This is Infinity X. We are Infinity X. We're running live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, where we give a stage and a microphone to absolute human excellence in the pursuit of massive ecosystem merger opportunities that create infinite sales opportunities. And tonight is absolutely no different. We have Susan Sly joining us. How are you this evening, Susan? I am doing great, David, and I want to thank you for having me on the show. I want to acknowledge everyone watching because obviously people are here because they want to leave with either some tips or strategies to better themselves and better their business. And it's my hope everyone leaves with at least one actionable item. So I'm excited to be here. Incredible. Thank you so much. And we are going to be joined by my partner, Rob Gill, here in just a few minutes, Susan. But I always like to kick it off because I'm, I'm always interested in the evolution of the entrepreneur and the evolution of the massive success that you experienced. But to know where you're going, you have to know where you're from. Where are you from originally? So I grew up in Canada, so right on the uh, New York-Ontario border. I started my first business when I was 11 years old. And Whoa. so I have, I'm have i turning 50 next year, so I have been in business for decades. I've had quite an expansive career with a whole range of different things. But that first business I started was out of necessity. And I think, David, if we're looking at what's going on in the world right now, a late, the latest statistic on Social Security said that Social Security is going Going to start diminishing by 2033. They thought that it was actually going to run out by 2032. Not sure what they're going to do about it, but we'll all be paying more taxes, I imagine. Um, and and we're seeing a lot of people turning to business as a, you know a side hustle, reinvigorate, reinvigorating a second career. But I started my first business out of necessity because I went to my dad, David. I said, "Hey, can I have some money to buy Christmas gifts?" And he said, "Why don't you start a business?" And so I thought about what I want to start. He gave me a startup loan. I had sixty days to pay it back with interest, and I started that business. <laughs> I learned a yep. lot, and I haven't looked back. That's incredible. What kind of business was it? Well, I, you know, like anything, when you're thinking of starting a business and, and on my show, the most recent survey I did is 50% of people are thinking of starting a business. It really starts with what your zone of genius is. So what is your zone of genius? Not just what you're passionate about, but what are you good at? Because if we all started businesses just of what we're passionate about, the failure rate of entrepreneurship would be higher than it is. But my zone of genius was arts and crafts at the tender age of 11. So I started making Christmas ornaments and I went door to door selling them. I had to do a business plan. I started with $40 in startup capital. I went and sold all of these Christmas ornaments. David, I got rejected. People rejected this 11 year old girl with buck teeth oh trying to sell her Christmas ornaments. <laughs> but I learned a lot and I, um, I made 80 bucks and I paid my dad back his 40 plus interest. I reinvested the capital and I went off again and then I made $120 and and I thought, hmm, there's something to this entrepreneurship thing. That, that's incredible at such a young age. And then you reinvested back into your business, which, you know, from an intelligent 
deployment of capital standpoint, I think so many entrepreneurs really lack that guidance. And I wanted to key in on something that you just shared around social security. I could not agree with you more. You know, I mean, if you look at debt to GDP in the United States, right, if you look at debt to sheer revenue in the United States, there's a massive gap. And there was one even when we went into COVID-19, right? And so, you know, from a preparation standpoint, businesses and people are just not prepared for that tax you know, onslaught that looks like it's um, coming at us like a freight train, right? Oh, yeah. Let's, you know, my show is called Raw and Real Entrepreneurship. And let's get raw and real because one of the things in my research on on this show and, and all of you is that you guys like to keep it raw and real and your listeners don't want any nonsense. So there's a, a $3.2 trillion proposal that someone's got to pay for. So where are they going to pay for it? So they can, one of the things that's being tabled is raising business taxes. Well, some people are like, yes, let's raise taxes on businesses. But what you're not thinking about is not all businesses are Apple and Google who tend to have their head offices overseas in places like Ireland. So they don't pay any tax. What about all the restaurants, the restaurants in New Jersey and New York and all over the place? I grew up, our family business was the restaurant business. They haven't recovered. And now we're going into a second wave. They're still not recovered. They're going to get hit with taxes too. So raising taxes on business owners, in my humble opinion, is not the answer, but taxes are going to be raised on individuals, on businesses. They're going to be raised on capital gains. All of those people who traded meme stocks and you made a ton of money on AMC and GameStop and everything. Guess what, kids? You're going to be paying a ton of taxes. So the only legal way to really manage your tax situation is to have a business because at the end of the day, raise taxes or not, business owners pay less in percentage in taxes than employees. Absolutely. Oh, man, I could take that statement and peel the onion and dissect that. And I can't wait to do so with you um, because there's so many points to what you just shared that I totally, totally agree with. Um, You know, uh, we we talk in the financial planning space all the time about how, you know, the the individual who invented the 401k actually wrote a white paper about how he hates the fact that he invented the 401k, right? But it was meant (laughs) to be the icing on top of the cake of uh, of pensions and pensions kind of went away, right? But all of these challenges, all these problems, particularly even prior to um, the global pandemic uh, coming down, um, people were people were turning a blind eye to. Right. The you know, the the fact, you know, the fact that life expectancies have gotten greater, the fact that we're in historically low tax environment in comparison to where we've been, uh, you know, 1948, 1962, et cetera. So what Susan, what when you're either either consulting to um, uh, other entrepreneurs and or for yourself, what were some of the things that you that you did and that you had to pivot to pivot to during the pandemic that kept the cash flow so massively positive during uh, 2020 and into 2021? That's a huge question. And again, David, going back to what you and your team do, I want to throw out statistics. So the, because I want to, we'll probably come back to this, but I, this, no one can be naive because it's either you or your parents are in this situation. 25% of Americans have zero savings for retirement. 30% of Canadians have zero savings for retirement. And so you talk about pivot and, um, and we'll get to this. So I co-founded in 2018, an artificial intelligence company, myself and four other guys. And, uh, you know, there's a statistic that McKinsey came out with two years ago in 2019, that said by the year 2030, 800 million jobs were going to be displaced globally by artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning. Mm. Now, the reason I bring this up 
Social security. I, I have to stand on this little soapbox, David, if you humor me, because I don't want anyone to leave and think they shouldn't have a business, especially if you're over 50, you need to have a business. You need something because I don't think your retirement plan is to be a Walmart greeter. But if we look at this perfect storm, you talk about pivoting. No one could have anticipated the pandemic, but the motto of MIT is this past behavior predicts future behavior. We're all old enough to remember 2009 SARS. And what happened just before that? Oh, the Great Recession, right? Mm -hmm. So history repeats itself. So to think, oh, okay, well, we're in this, you know, going through COVID, we're going through Delta, um, you know, all the different things that are happening, it's going to happen again. So yep. the number one thing is we have to be adaptable. So what did we do in the during the pandemic? I will never forget, David. So I'm super geeky and weird. I wanted to be a doctor going through college. And I was looking when the whole thing with COVID started to come out in January of 20, I looked at the R-naught. And the R-naught, for people who don't know, that is the multiplier of a disease. So the R-naught mm. of SARS was about two, COVID was four. And I looked at my husband, Chris, and I was like, oh my God gosh, this thing is going to be very aggressive. And so we gather our team together and like, listen, guys, we have technology in the vault that can help. So we use um, our AI company. We do computer vision and we're, um, we have some very big partnerships. Some I can disclose, some I can't. We've done work with the Mayo Clinic, CVS Health um, and the Veterans Association the hospitals love those guys. And so we, I said, we need to get our technology that we were going to release like Apple, you know, we have technology for the next several years in release cycles. And I said, we need to get the technology out. We need to do something. So the, what we did is we accelerated development of technology that would allow us to use artificial intelligence to pre-screen patients. And so we implemented wow. that at Mayo, we implemented that at the VA and, and it was aggressive. We pulled, you know, our team were like, guys, we have to do this because if you can help, you must help. Right. And so that was one of the things we did. And then I own a, a digital agency that specializes in solopreneurs. And I brought all of my staff together. I'm like, listen, we have to help these business owners pivot. So we had people who were terrified, David, of social media, people in their sixties with businesses, suddenly they were on TikTok. They yeah, were doing Instagram yeah. reels. They were promoting businesses, starting businesses. That's my message. Everyone, you need to have multiple streams of income. You need to have a business. It's the bottom line because the government is not, if you're waiting for the, I'm going to get some hate DMs. I know it. But if you're waiting for the government, you waiting a long time. Yep. yep. Oh my God. I could not agree. And you know what? And the pandemic it sounds like was actually something that was uh, a positive for you and for the you know the 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 escalation of your practice and and the solopreneurs that you were consulting which i want to dive really really deep into i know at our firm um you know it, it's so interesting susan because the the evolution of infinity x actually started when my partner uh rob gill approached me and said you know we're we're seeing exponential growth in our sales opportunities and our sales meetings due to the different verticals and ecosystem mergers that we created with massive uh, you know influencers, people like yourself. And as a result of that, we saw an uptick in our conversations of above 19 times, right? And 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 so Infinity X actually started from the standpoint of, hey, let's educate folks on, you know, in particular in the financial services arena of what we're doing. 
right? You know, and 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 we it was intended to be a one-time thing. Well, we noticed that if you put a cap on that growth, then you're you're minimalizing your thinking. And so that's where the branding of Infinity X really came from. Mm-hmm. It's you create infinite opportunity for yourself when you have diff- a larger stage and a larger microphone. And 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 also putting out the message that, you know, through those larger stages and larger microphones, there's alternate sources of income opportunity that get created from that. So man, I I just I could not agree with you more. And to your point, David, I was having a conversation with he, uh, an associate professor of robotics, and we were talking about influencer culture. And he said, Susan, do you know that all of these PhD candidates that the biggest schools, Harvard, Stanford, MIT, they are looking at the social media profiles and seeing if this candidate, this PhD candidate in robotics or AI, that they have a brand. And the ones get this because guess what? The ones who are branded are getting the funding dollars because who does the funding, right? Big companies. And if they think this person has a voice, so we're seeing it trickle down into every aspect of our lives. One of my good, good friends is Glenn Stearns of Bear Stearns. Um, Some people may know Glenn from Undercover Billionaire. And uh, Mm. so Glenn is the real deal. And so he and Mindy, they've got three podcasts they're running. They're putting out unique content videos on Instagram almost every single day. They've got their new um, brand called Kind Lending. And he has had so many ups and downs. What He sold the company, um, got diagnosed with cancer the very next day. Uh, a little thing called the recession. Hello, Bear Stearns yeah. in the recession. Like, yeah. And yeah. yet he just keeps on coming back, coming back, coming back. And if anyone's taking notes, I want you to write this word down, resilient. You've got to be resilient. You've got to adapt to your terrain so that if you're a pandemic hits, a recession hits, what David is teaching on this show is so important. Be resilient, have multiple streams of income. Susan and and you know with multiple streams of income and with influencers in mind as well it's uh it's an honor and a privilege for me to introduce you to my partner uh Rob uh Rob Gill. Uh Rob are you there brother? Hey Susan, how are you? Hey Rob, it's great to see you. Good. It's great seeing you. Happy Trajectory Tuesday. I just walked in and I heard resilience and I heard Bear Stearns and, <laughs> you know, I heard entrepreneurs and funding and everything else. Wow. So excited. Love your energy. Love your passion. Um, let me let me kind of just let Dave drive so I could find my place. And then I'd love to kind of just, you know, um, really engage and, and see what kind of value that I could add to the conversation. Awesome. Susan, when um, <clears throat> before we were talking about preparation, you know, preparation, <laughs> if you can call it preparation, but preparation for the pandemic. Right. And I think that Rob and I see on just about a daily basis um, businesses that are positioned well, cash flow wise and financially and risk management wise. And then we see businesses that are really, really, really exposed. If you take a step back um, and, and, and by the way, I, I, I'd heard you say that you got your PhD. Where'd you, where'd you get your PhD from, by the way? Oh, I don't have my PhD, but I'm currently studying. I'm currently studying at MIT. So on top of running this company, we're hiring 60 people right now. I just, um, just made another offer today. Uh, I have a bunch of my staff flying in. I'm at home today, but into our office um, and I'm studying at MIT. So on top of all of it (laughs) and five kids, two grandkids and multiple businesses. So but cash wow. flow statements are one of my favorite topics. So we could talk accounting all day long. 
Wow. <laughs> For, so, so Susan, that's, that's incredible. Um, five kids and, and how many grandkids did you say? Two. We just had another one, wow. a little boy, Christian. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. That is so awesome. And you also could build rockets too, is what I'm hearing. Not yet, but it's very interesting when we look at artificial intelligence and how it's permeating every single sector. So one of the latest statistics that I read is businesses who are incorporating artificial intelligence, and we could talk about every type of business and how they could incorporate it. Their productivity is increasing by 78%. Unbelievable. Because they have distinctions, they're getting rid of uh, the things that don't work and the tripling down on what works in a, in a very fast way. Right. So that's, that's basically that I could glean from what you said there. I guess my question, first of all, where is home, by the way, where, where, where are you I, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Awesome. A very good friend of mine, Dolph DeRoos, uh, New York times, bestselling author, real estate riches. Um, he is a, an affiliate of, of Epic. Um, he's in Arizona as well. And um, you know, we were just with him recently out in Utah for another ecosystem partner that we have. And it's about for us merging ecosystems. So uh, one plus one, it may not equal a trillion dollars, but it does equal business acceleration in a way that, you know, for us, we've gone from uh, to David's point eight to over 600 new sales meetings a month mm. based on really kind of creating good ecosystem mergers with people that are making a difference in the world. And at the same time, um, providing value and education along the way. So I'm sitting here in awe of everything you just said so far. Um, and the relationship capital that you must be part of is incredible. And to hear that you, you were going to hiring, you're, you're in the process of hiring 60 new people. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we're hiring no. 60 people. And, and I love that word ecosystem. And that's the other thing for everyone watching and listening, because your network equates to your net worth. So mm. one of my mentors is Harvey McKay. Harvey wrote Swim with the Sharks or Get Eaten Alive. He's written seven New York Times bestsellers. He's turning 90 soon. And so this is a story. So, you know, I when I'm a guest on a show or when people are guests on my show and I would love to have you guys on my show, I love when people tell stories because people remember stories, but they don't remember anything else you say, all the stats and everything. So anyway, Harvey calls me two years ago. And so keep in mind, he's 86 at this particular day, he calls me. He's like, Susan, guess what? I said, what Harvey? He said, I just completed every item on my bucket list. <laughs> I said, that's outstanding. He said, ask me a question. I said, what do you want me to ask you? He said, ask me what I'm going to do now. I said, okay, what are you going to do now? He goes, I'm writing another one. <laughs> and then literally the man comes out with an eighth book and a ninth book. And this wow. is really funny that he calls me. He's like, Susan, he, I, I won't say the woman's name, but it's really funny. Cause if I did, everyone would know her. He's like, so-and-so's out and you're in. I said, I'm in for what? He said, well, I want you to endorse my book and you're going to be, you know, on the book cover with Lou Holtz. Now I secretly wow. fangirl over Lou Holtz. I love Mr. Holtz. I have a photo with him in my office. Love him. He's my secret husband. My husband knows this though. Anyway, <laughs> so Eddie, so the, the point is this, when your ecosystem has depth and you're investing in the ecosystem, when a very famous brand name person who maybe spent some time in prison and has a national magazine and everything else <laughs> is supposed to be on a book cover, but says, I'll do it, but doesn't get back and misses the timing, you end up on the book cover 
with Mr. Lou Holtz. And you've got to be building out your ecosystem. So going back to the hiring at Radius, what we do is we we work our ecosystem. So one of my employees, he worked for GoDaddy for 10 years. He knows outstanding engineers. Um, One of my um, co-founders, he was the um, CTO at the largest healthcare database in the world, Amino. Another one worked for Wells Fargo, American Mm -hmm. Express, Apple. So we have this all this depth. And so we don't have to just put up ads. We do because we want the best and the brightest. But again, it goes back to that ecosystem. Same thing with sales. We just, um, I just closed a deal, a five-year deal that is, um, multiple eight figures. I won't go into the details, but that came from my ecosystem. Thank you. It's like, who do you know? Who do you know? Who can you add value to? And don't go into your ecosystem going, what can they give me? It's what can I do to contribute? Don't keep score. And then when you get the phone call, you end up on the book cover with Mr. Holtz, you get the multiple eight figure deal and you end up hiring the right people. You just said something powerful. And I want to just play. First of all, that was- Thank God I did. I don't- That that was unbelievable. Let let me just like- Thank you. And, you know, the thing that um, I try and talk to the team about is don't chase money. Right. And if you want to be the best at what you do, you got to add more value than anyone else in your space for what you do. But you said something even after those phenomenal points. And and you said, don't keep score. Mm -hmm. And people that keep score, whether it's I don't get paid that much on that case. So I'm only going to do what I get paid for. Right. I see that a lot in my space. Right. I, I'm only going to do what I get a piece of it. And, and I feel really bad when I hear that from any person that says that because they're missing the boat on the bigger picture. And you just hit the nail on the head. The guy that went to jail or came out of jail and didn't return a phone call because you made high level relationship capital. And, and now because of that, you're on the cover with Lou Holtz. Incredible. By the way, I'm a Notre Dame fan. How are you, what is yes. your what is yes. your secret love affair with, with Lou Holtz? Does it go back to Notre Dame or is it something different? Yes. Excellent huge. I'm a fan of really good coaches because, you know, people talk about players, but it's the coaches really that make the players. Yeah. Yeah. And were you, were you um, a fan of Notre Dame when Holtz was there? So that does go way back. And the answer is yes, but don't ask me about stats. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I was born into Notre Dame, like my family, but Lou Holtz, as you know, won the national championship in 1988. And um, his, his ability to motivate men in an influential manner with integrity is phenomenal. And I love great coaches. I come from, um, you know, locally here in New Jersey, my sister, she happened to marry into um, a very basketball rich family here in New Jersey, which was Bob Hurley, the coach of St. Anthony's high school basketball. He later went on to, to be in the uh, hall of fame. Um, his two children, Bobby jr. And Danny are both colleges, college coaches right now. And one of them played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I've always been surrounded by great coaches. And then even when I entered the business world, um, I've always had great teachers. And I think it's because if you put yourself in a position um, you're going to find the great teacher that's going to help you go to the next phase. And oh, I got to yeah. tell you, what, what you're sharing is totally incredible. Thank you so much. Um, can we built- can we do a quick John Wooden story? So we'll like, oh if we're going to talk about great coaches. Wow. So this applies to business, everyone. And yeah. so I, Harvey um, McKay, you know, was in a meeting with John Wooden. And 
John said to Harvey, he said, do you want to know the secret of my success? And Harvey's like, yeah, who doesn't want to know the secret of John Wooden's success? And he said, it's the socks. Yeah, and because Harvey's you like, don't want what? to get, yeah, you don't want to get blisters. Yes. So making sure the players had the right socks and they were changing the socks if the socks were down. And ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. You might be if you don't know anything about sports, oftentimes, and this is, you know, I'll just put this out there in technology. I'm often the only woman in the room. So I start a lot of sales meetings. We're talking football. We're talking hockey. I was raised by a single dad. So, you know, I was raised like with sports, sports, sports. And I was a professional athlete for a hot minute many years ago, but it's the small details. So here are some things. When you do a sales meeting, you mentioned 600 sales presentations. I know you guys do, but are you sending a note afterwards to say, thank you? Are you sending an email to say, Hey, thank you for your time. And here's a little um, little share I'll give everyone right in a notebook, something someone said. So you say mm. something like, Hey, David, thank you so much for that meeting. And I wrote this down. I loved what you said about whatever. Mm. And people appreciate that. Yeah. One of the biggest deals I've ever closed. So in my, in my career and um, David and I were emailing about this. So in my career, I've done about $2 billion in sales. Jeez. Two billion. Wow. In three separate verticals. So technology, health, and fitness. And one of the biggest deals that I ever closed, it was paying attention to detail. If you take nothing away from me, this is one thing. So we're in a meeting and I want to preface this. So our company was invited to compete against two other computer vision companies in the United States. And whoever was going to win for accuracy was going to get a pilot agreement. So here's, here's, this is, so we're like, yes, we want to compete. One company couldn't even be bothered guys to fly Mm. out and present Mm. their findings in person. And this was before COVID. Wow. They said, oh, we'll just present that on video. So this is what I did. I found out when the other company was flying in. I made sure we presented first. Awesome. I also found out when decision day was and exactly what time it was. So after our meeting, I took copious notes. There was this funny joke that came up and I'm not going to give details about it, but let's just say I made sure I spent $178 and I UPSed a package. So it would arrive one hour before decision day. And I said, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for your time. And as you're considering the best team for this opportunity, I want you to know, we pay attention to details. We will out, we will create more value than our competition. And I went on and on and on. And then the second page of the letter was Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. I send this package. They open it an hour. Um, it was they open it at nine. Decision day was ten a.m. that morning, and we got the deal. And mm. we embarked on a year-long project with them, which just is now being extended to almost a thousand locations. Wow, that is I'm so, I'm so humbled by that. that's incredible. <laughs> Attention to detail and and manners where are your manners like hello you know like thank you please thank you for the opportunity let's figure out a way to work together like just as you said rob adding value to people yeah you know i i um i've always learned one of the greatest things in the tony robbins training that i've been part of and he talks about how to create lasting change in people 
with integrity, of course. And the thing yeah. that, that really stood out, it's like a five, six, seven step approach, but one of the things he said, and I organically did this, but it really, it really kind of hit home when I heard him say this, don't, don't try and step one, don't, don't try and have people meet them where you are to your point, Susan, meet them where they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And once you meet people there where they are, and you just said something else that I picked up on in order to be able to have these, you know, level five listening strategies that you had, um, by, by doing that, you probably created high level rapport, including your, your, you know, your nice email, your nice follow-up and your overnight package and, you know, being cordial and everything else. And when you build a rapport with folks and you meet them where they are, it allows you with integrity to get leverage. Then once you have leverage, you can begin to talk about who you are and what you bring um, that could help them. Right. And there's a couple more steps after that, but everything yeah. you just said reminded me of that and um, success leads clues is no doubt that, you know, your reputation procedure, your level of success is incredible. I could feel your energy. I could feel it, how it impacts the nervous system versus just having the information in the head. Right. And once information is in the nervous system and you can really convey your unique heroic identity, what you can then do is be able to move people with influence to where you want them to go. And, and I have no doubt um, that you know how to move people at the highest level. And thank you for well, sharing. Thank you for that. And, and again, it's like, what, what is it? What are the little things like the socks? This will be called the socks show. <laughs> what are the little things like the socks, like sending those emails, paying attention to details? Another tip I'll give everyone. So uh, a good friend of mine is Mark Victor Hansen, who co-wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm. And so Mark and Crystal live here in, in Scottsdale. And I've known Mark for years. And so I one night we go out for dinner. And I don't expect Mark to pick up the tab. In fact, on the I call the restaurant in advance. I'm like, I don't care if Mark Victor Hansen wants to take the tab or wants to split it. You guys have my credit card. When the bill comes, there's no bill coming because it's handled, right? Yeah. So then I, you know, it marks so appreciative, everything. The next day I get an email and it's like, he's introducing me to this person and that person and that yeah. person. And um, like John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire, I had him on my show. And, you know, my show is really designed to help that fledgling entrepreneur navigate things like the QSBS, the Qualified Small Business uh, Founders Exemption, where you can exit your business if it's a C-Corp for $10 million tax-free. Who doesn't want to know this stuff? But it's just fundamental good sound advice. And I was like, I love doing my show. I, I don't have time right now to go actively look at guests, but I'm just going to go out there and do the things I usually do and allow those things to come back to me. And, and, and Mark just flooded my inbox with all of these amazing introductions. Wow. And so that's another tip. This happened to be Saturday night. So my daughter has a new boyfriend. Guys. <laughs> and so we're meeting the new boyfriends and, uh, and it, you know, going back to old fashioned manners. So we go out for dinner and the bill comes and it's already paid. Mm. So this sweet boy on the way in made sure the bill was handled. You know, yes, he's impressing the parents, but guess what guys, he did a good job. Awesome. <laughs> Yes. He did a good job. And then he came That's for Sunday night dinner. He brought my favorite bottle of wine. Like it's little details like yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. And thank you for sharing that. Um, it sounds like you're on a rocket ship right now. And I guess, you know, the question I have, what does it look like for you for the next five years over the next five years? Well, yeah, that's a really good question because it, it doesn't look like I thought it would. 
So I had, I had reached a point in my career, probably in 2016, where I was having a crisis and I'm not afraid to say that in front of everyone. I, you know, women have midlife crises too. Right. And so I was having an identity crisis and looking in the mirror and going, if I had gone to Africa and I had um, become really sick. I've been to Africa many times. My oldest daughter is from there. And I came back and I was very, very sick. And no, I went to several doctors. They didn't know what was wrong with me. And I'm, I'm in my bed and, you know, I've got the blinds closed. I felt literally like I was dying and I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, if all there is, you know, what is it I haven't done yet in my career? Because I've done everything from be a prison guard to owning a fitness club to being a a television celebrity. You know, I've had this huge career and there was this part of me that I hadn't fulfilled. And so it was really interesting because around that exact same time, two people call me on the same day and they're both pastors and they're like, Susan, you're supposed to go back into technology. Now, here's the funny thing. I haven't written a line of code since 1992, Wow! but here's the power of purpose and adding value. So I was working in 89, 90, 91, 92 on early facial recognition algorithms, coding them. Oh my God. And we were using them to catch serial sex offenders and quantify crime scenes. Love it. Then I go into the health and fitness world. I buy a health club. I'm doing that whole deal and, you know, health and wellness, go back to school, study homeopathic medicine. I put down technology, but there I am dying going, what is it I haven't done? And there was this part of me that was like, I really miss technology. And so I started, you know, to get better. I, I went into digital marketing, not the front end as much, but the back end, like building campaigns, like really sick stuff and adding custom code. And then I grew my little agency. We became the number one agency. We onboarded 600 clients in a year. And I'm getting calls from all of these. I was speaking at the largest digital marketing conferences. Plus I was doing speaking events where Tony Robbins is speaking, Pitbull speaking and all this stuff. And people are looking at me and going, well, who are, you know, what are you doing now? And it was, it was really this, the, out of the crisis and the chaos came the purpose. And I want to say to everyone watching and listening, if you're going through something, if you're going through a a, a medical diagnosis, if you've got something going on with a family member, you're going through a divorce, whatever it is you're going through, there is an opportunity in that chaos, but sometimes you have to be still long enough to let whatever it is set in that's supposed to set in. So from there, I ended up meeting the guys who were co-founding and starting this AI company. And they were like, "Um, could you help us? raise money. I'm like, sure. Raising money is easy. Like that's if, if I'm good at one thing, it's like that. Right. So I come in, we raised 7.1 million in seed funding, which in, in, in startups, that's like unicorn territory for your friends mm. and family round. But I made some calls. I have going back to the network, right. The mm. ecosystem. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I became the vice president, then the president, then the co-CEO and co-founder. And then recently we um, signed something that, that, essentially says, if I leave the company, um, that, you know, certain things will happen. Right. So I'm the next five years, this is, this is what I'm doing. We're going to take this company all the way to an exit. 
We already have a nine-figure valuation since 2018, which is huge. Um, and we're embarking on several projects in the healthcare and retail sector and getting ready to do like a huge media campaign and, you know, all of that stuff. So this wow. is what I'm going to be doing for a while and teaching people how to start businesses and make smart decisions from the beginning, which is why I love what you guys do. Well, you are radiating success all over this. Thank you so much for sharing. Let me turn it back to Dave. Dave, do you want? Do you have some some questions? I do. Uh, I'll come back in. Thank you, thank you, Rob. Susan, you're a mega power. This is unbelievable. Oh, what what are what are you seeing? Uh, if I could say one thing, please. I think this is without a doubt a top three, if not a top two, speaker on our show. Without a shadow of a doubt. And we've had once a week for the last seventy weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're just I mean, saying that because we talked about Lou check, Holtz. Check the, t- <laughs> check the tape. I, I've never said it on tape. I've never said it on tape. He has never said that on tape. No, yeah. this is live and direct. We, Susan. We haven't talked about Vince Lombardi yet. So as long as we get to talk about Vince at some point, then, I mean, then I'll, I'll take yeah. the top three. Listen, listen, you're talking to two sports guys here. So uh, we, we will definitely hit on Vince Lombardi. But let's hit on something else. What are business, what are business owners doing wrong right now what are they what are you seeing as a commonality what are they doing wrong uh in today's environment that's a great question dave so the first thing is they are a hundred percent not building the right infrastructure you need to start with the end in mind and so what is the end in mind what is your exit strategy and so many people don't think about what their exit strategy is going to be so there are a lot of interesting exit strategy opportunities for business owners. I'll just go over several of them if people want to take notes. So one is if you're doing like a physical startup of some kind, you're going to do a C-Corp, you might want to do an ESOP. So an employee stock mm. option purchase Ooh, plan. Mm-hmm. Look at you. You're bringing in some high level planning now. How about yeah. a leveraged ESOP? I love it. <laughs> so let's say um, I'll just make this scenario up. So let's say the three of us, we're going to start a company and you know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate, but I'm going to guess none of us are 20 years old. And we say, you know what, we're, we're going to do this for maybe seven to 10 years, but we want a solid tax-free exit opportunity. So an ESOP allows us to be able to sell our shares back to the company and take out money tax-free. I have yep. friends who built a multi-billion dollar company and they took multiple eight figures out with the ESOP. So that's yep. legitimate. Awesome. Number two is with the, the C Corp. So if you do like a Delaware C and you do the QSBS, and as long as you do do that for five years. So the three of us start a company. Um, we have a Delaware C. When we go to exit, we would each get 10 million tax-free depending on the size of our exit and what our shares are worth, but you have to hold it for five years. Some people, they want to just do you know a straight exit where they sell their business or whatever. So that's number one. Start with the end of mind. What kind of exit are you going to have? Number two is your infrastructure and you can't cut corners. So thinking about things like your insurance. I know it's boring. Mm-hmm. Thinking about your accounting, thinking can, about- can we, it, can we stop? Can we, can we yeah. play with that for one second? So yeah. in the space of insurance, um, how do you feel about key man, key woman, uh, you know, section 162 double bonus plan strategies where you create golden handcuffs, deferred comp strategies, premium finance strategies. How does that, how does that factor into your model? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And it's a complicated one, right? Because it really requires the business owner to think very deeply about those things. The golden handcuffs, as an example, like, is that something you want? A lot of younger entrepreneurs, they want to, you know, I, I was doing a show recently and we we're talking about influencer entrepreneurs. Like, I just want to have my Instagram and I want to be an entrepreneur. True entrepreneurship you're thinking about things like the golden handcuffs. You're thinking about things like partnerships. Um, here's a statistic. Uh, partnerships have a much higher failure rate than solo businesses, right? Really? So that wow. the other thing about infrastructure is making sure you have advisors for your business and including someone who can mediate discussions. Um, I, I, at our company, we have a philosophy that if we've got an issue, the five of us get on a Zoom or in a room, we don't leave until it's handled. Beautiful. But it's stuff like that. And the third thing I want to say, the number one reason businesses fail is cash flow. If you yep. don't understand how to read a cash flow statement, you should not be going into business. Your cash flow, I sit on, I am advising a startup right now. We're about to do a big WeFunder um, all my boards, I have no more time in my life for boards right now, but I'm sitting on this board for this startup and we're about to do a WeFunder raise and we're in the conscious consumerism e-tail space. And one of the things is like every single meeting, if I'm sitting on your board, I want to see a cash flow statement. I want to see your PL. Don't just talk to me about your EBITDA and stuff to show off and think you're fancy. Like how much money is in the bank? What's your burn rate? You know? Yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah, Dave, I'm sorry. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, it's, and, and Susan, like, and <clears throat> when, when you, when you take that approach with, uh, with your, 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 your business partners, when you take that approach with your clients, yeah, you have to, obviously you hire slow and you fire fast, right? So can you share also about what you're seeing in terms of staffing and in terms of talent that, um, that is surrounding the top level executives uh, that what you're, what you're looking at personally with your business, but then also what you're advising other people to do in terms of creating that board of directors and creating that infrastructure underneath. That's my favorite question. <laughs> Thank you for asking me that. I, I love this tell question. You, let me, can I just say your energy is just it's infectious? Absurd. I just want you to know that. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, oh, thank you so yeah, much. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I think maybe it's because I'm from the Northeast. That's why you just love me. Yeah. yeah. Just where, keep where? it like Jersey tough, man. So, where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm from Toronto. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. But I fired winter. So that's a whole other story. Let's talk about hiring. So the... I, I, I give no credit to myself. I learned this from a friend of mine who's got his company is number is number seven on Glassdoor right now. Do, do people know how freaking hard that is to get into the top 10 on Glassdoor? Because people will make up crap and pretend they were your employees and say stupid stuff about you. Like, you know, just that's not true. But he got to top 10 with a 70 person outfit. So I want to share that what I learned from him because I'm using this now. So number one, it's how you write your job offer. So we just put something up on Workable and I was hiring a project manager that was based out of a very specific city in a very specific state to work with our largest client. And I wrote, I put, um, I put Easter eggs in all my job descriptions. So I want to see if you're paying attention. I'll say, put this in the title. If the person doesn't put what I asked them to put in the title, 
I don't even consider their application. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing. It's how you write it. Don't hesitate. You know, I'm, I'm Tony Robbins t- trained to you. Don't hesitate to say positive attitude, no drama, no nonsense, whatever you want to say. So out of that, we had six applicants. And in this job market, like it's, it's tough. You got to pay a lot. You got to give great benefits. Sometimes you even have to give away part of your ESOP. And mm. uh, of the six applicants, we got two rock stars and it, it was tough to really choose. So that's number one. Number two, I believe in a three-step interview process because chances are one of you is going to love the candidate. The other two people might not. So I interview based on things like work-life balance. How do you handle challenges? I give scenarios, whereas my partners, they'll interview a little more technically. So we all interview separately and then we meet together. If the person passes that and if there are three things, if they ask these three things, they are, I immediately do not hire them. Number one is what is my compensation going to be? Number two, what are my work hours going to be? And number three, when can I expect raises and bonuses? And if they ask any of those things, you're not working for me. The next thing I do, because I'm, I was a prison guard. I use a piece of software and called instant checkmate. And I do a background check on you. And I look at everything. If you bounce checks in 1990, I might forgive you. But if you you all hit someone or you had workman's comp claims like 18 times, I am not hiring you. (laughs) I almost said I'm not hiring your ASS, but I didn't say that. So I'm not hiring you. So then after that, after we get through all of that, then um, the next stage is generally, if possible, a face-to-face. I want to eat a meal with that person and see, going back to the manners, if they have manners, if they can handle that situation, then they get the offer. So I am very tenacious about it. And You are, uh, you are one badass yeah. grandmother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no question about it. Unbelievable. But seriously, do a background check. Because if that person has had several workman's comp claims, oh, this is my other favorite thing. So we're, so the guys that are sitting around and I'm expected to build a sales and marketing team, right? And I, I do that from a very different place because every company should have four st- streams of leads. So there's inside sales, outside sales, digital leads, and then there's referral leads, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I... One of our one of our one of our verticals is the gas station convenience store sector. So I want to hire someone. A lot of these meetings are I'm just gonna lay it out, guys, because why you didn't stay here all this time for BS. So in that sector, a lot of the guys, it's a lot of men in that sector, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s. So guess who I'm hiring? Not a 21-year-old, you know, no, I'm hiring someone who's actually older, been around the block. And I'll ask questions. I know these aren't HR compliant. So send me a DM if you don't like it. But this particular client, they go for steak dinners. They drink a lot of coffee in the morning. I'm like, do you like like steak dinners? Do you drink coffee? If they don't, they're probably not going to get the job because they're not going to fit in with the ideal client that I have. Incredible. Incredible. Unbelievable. But the first person I hired, so they were like, okay, Susan, who are you hiring for sales marketing? I said, I'm hiring a general counsel. And the Mm -hmm. guys are like, we're a startup. We don't need a general counsel. And I pull out our P&L. I pull out all of our, I said, this is how much we've spent on legal fees. We're hiring a general counsel. And she starts September 20th. She's already working for us. But that was the first hire I did. Because again, it goes back to this. If you build your house on the rock, you're going to build a very beautiful, stable house. But if you build it on the sand, just quote my favorite book, you're going to sink into the ocean. Uh, Susan, incredible for all the, you know what, for every business owner that's out there right now, she just dropped like 
I'm not even going to say like a million dollars worth of information on this episode. Take that, rewind it back, play it back on your own because this is taped, right? People, this is this this is taped. This This is live stream. This is this is. Listen, you're building as you build companies. One of the biggest challenges is cash flow and is lawsuits, right? Yep. And if you, you know, one of the things that we did here at Epic is we have a law firm of which the owner happens to be a partner here. I'll tell you about him in a second. And then we also have an SEC attorney um, for other businesses that we have outside of here um, because of exactly what you just said. And by the way, we one of the things that we did that really helped us accelerate our sales appointments is we started creating LLC partners that didn't have licenses in what we do, but the LLC had a license. And that allowed, let's say, for example, you, you may not have an insurance license, right? I'm just using you as a hypothetical but you have an audience that really is interested in proper planning when it comes to really understanding the protection side of business. We would make somebody like you an LLC partner. You would drive traffic to our team. We would do financial planning in the space of insurance, and there would be a compensation model there based on the ecosystem merger. And we had done that with quite a few folks. And that's why we went from six to 600, 700. In September, we're going to have over a thousand appointments. Now, outstanding. It's incredible, right? And because of that, we had a higher law firm because, to your point, we have to do a background check. And listen, everybody makes mistakes, but you know we have to do a background check because we're getting this stuff approved with the Banking and Insurance Commission of New Jersey when it comes to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You, you are the bet now. Now you're going to be my number one guest. And here's the frame. <laughs> Ready? The frame is everything you just said about not only providing more value than everybody else, right? Not only, you know, having integrity across the board, understanding balance sheets, not just EBITDA, but understanding cash flow, understanding the balance sheets, understanding the PL. And then on top of that, you just broke down the legal component why it's so important on a fit for exit strategy. You know, and, and also you did talk about an ESOP. Uh, we could privately talk about a leveraged ESOP. I could share some stuff with you in that space that I know. But you just hit the nail on the head on everything. And whoever's listening to the show right now, I'm telling you right now, take a lot of notes because this is one of the most, this is one of my, my, my happiest interviews. But also everything she just said told me that what we're doing is right. Absolutely. Right. And I I have to throw this into ice the cake on cyber because this just happened. So a friend of mine is part of a, uh, a medical practice and they just had a ransomware attack, all their Mm. patient records. Mm -hmm. They had cyber insurance. But they, their IT team had continued to back up all the records. So guess what they ended up paying? Zero, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I can't emphasize that enough. And, um, you know, when we're seeing, you know, everyone's like, oh, don't go to law school. There's no need for lawyers. The biggest growing sector of legal is cybersecurity. And I had Rick Jordan, he's doing an amazing cyber IPO on my show. And Rick is a global cybersecurity expert. He's been on every single show out there, ABC, NBC, Fox, you name it. And I, if, and if you're not paying attention to your cyber, Oh my gosh, that's a whole other episode. I did a whole course on this at MIT and it's like, what protocol are you using? What are you doing? Every, and here's the other thing you, you mentioned, Dave, because I love that question about hiring. Do you know the number one source of cyber attacks is through employee emails, 
And so everyone thinks it's the tech team's responsibility. It's not the tech team's responsibility. It's all your employees. So one of the things we're doing, every employee that comes in, whether it's a virtual assistant, lawyer, whatever, that not only are their computers secure, but they're not opening attachments. Here's another quick story. This person received an invoice for $100,000 from a known vendor. They went ahead and paid it. It was a cyber attack. The people emptied out their whole bank account because oh there's something called spear phishing where they look at known, known, you know, and so with all of my staff and my different companies, it's like every month we're doing cyber update, making sure everyone's clash, caches are cleared. If you are unsure, you don't open an attachment, please, everyone. Pay attention because the you know we could have a whole political discussion on cyber attacks if we want to, but the reality is that every kind of business, I don't care what kind of business you're in, you're a restaurant, you're a dry cleaner, you're you know a, an accountant, attorney, you have to pay attention to that. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And and I like to, um, Danny, can we go to some Q and A? Would that be okay? And before we do that, I just want to give everybody on this call a, a quick reminder on September twenty third. Uh, Thursday, September 23rd, uh, my partner, Susan, um, his name is Sean Callagy. Uh, he founded a company called Unblinded, which is, um, you know, the, the number one sales training company out there for organizations on how to go from hello to yes with integrity. He's also mm-hmm. on the board of the American Foundation for the Blind, and he's co-chairing an event um, where it's going to be the 100 year anniversary for the AFB in which... Um, they're going to open up a time capsule from from 1934 from Helen Keller. Um, wow. And it's going to be an unbelievable event. There's an A-list. I can't say it yet, but there's an A-list musician, entertainer that's going to be there. And the table captains, to your point, um, they are loaded with former New York Giants like Lawrence Taylor, uh, Harry Carson. Um, they're working on, you know, Bill Parcells. It's not done yet. Uh, Bucky Dent from the Yankees in the 70s, Rick, Rich Goose Gossage, um, and they are really bringing in uh, Eric Dickerson, one of the greatest running backs of all time, is going to be a table captain, and all that's happening. So everybody on here, let's not forget about that. There's a lot of energy that's going in that direction, and um, we're really excited about it because ecosystem mergers allows myself and David, and, and you'll appreciate this, to be in the space of a private gathering with some folks that are really making changes in the world. And we're excited Mm -hmm. about that. What I would love because your knowledge is incredible. And I want to, I know there's probably people, I can't see anything. On the, on the screen. But yeah. Is anybody <laughs> looking for it? The, the, yeah, the viewership question? is massive here, uh, Susan. If, if you have a question for Susan slide, please raise your hand in, uh, I don't mind you know, in the anybody. chat. If you, if you want, can you unmute somebody for a uh, We can go ahead and unmute somebody. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we do have a question that came in from Nikhil Bond. By the way, Nikhil has VAs, Susan. So hit him with both machine guns and let him know the risks that he has with his VAs when it comes to the businesses. <laughs> I have I have a lot of VAs too. I hire yeah. my VAs out of onlinejobs.ph out of the Philippines and I have a whole yeah. <clears throat> I'm just going to turn it into white paper. A friend of mine um she's a major YouTuber. She specializes in dealing with narcissists. She's like how do you hire VAs? So I sat at her beach house one day and I wrote like a nine-page paper on a hiring practice for oh VAs. So I've had my top VA for 6 years. And wow. um you know people are like how do you do what you do? Like I'm running, I'm the CEO of a massive nine figure company. So that's like 70 hours a week, but I still put out YouTube videos and stuff like that. that all my VAs do my stuff. So 
here's the question. Um, do you have any morning rituals? Uh, yes. So I get up at around four 30 in the morning and, um, I'm intentional. So the first words I say in my head are, um, 10 affirmations. I am blessed. I am healthy. I'm wealthy. I am happy. I'm whole. I am loving. I am generous. I am valued. I am wise and I am safe. And Mm. then I get up and I'm like, okay, God, I'm a, I'm a believer. So, um, I thank you, God. I'm, you know, so ready for this day. And then it's all about black coffee. I'm really fussy about my black coffee. I won't drink bad (laughs) black coffee. coffee. Yes. So good. Right. Like it has to be good. Yes. And I, I drink one called, um, Bitches brew. I'm not That's even right. kidding. Can I, get, can I get some? I want some bitches brew. Bitches brew. Yeah. Bitches brew. And and it's, it's organic. It's delicious. So <laughs> then, um, then I go and I, I meditate for about 45 minutes and pray. Then I come in my office. I do some journaling and I take a look at my schedule. And if my schedule isn't aligned with my goals, I will get rid of things. And wow. then, um, and then I, I have my littlest one is 12. I make sure I drive her to school every morning. I get a workout in um, often two workouts a day. So after this show, I'm getting on my Peloton. I already ran intervals this morning Um, and I don't do work on Sundays. Uh, I call them sacred Sundays. And um, my husband and I, you know, we've been together for 21 years. We had some rough patches. We almost got divorced. I'll tell you anything on a show. I don't care. And uh, we managed to get our marriage um, back in line. And uh, he's the great love of my life. And I call them sacred, sexy Sundays for a reason. Anyway, so that's my schedule for hiring. Sexy Sundays. Naked. I love it. Yeah. Sexy Sundays. Yeah. By the way, Susan, and for everyone listening, um, (laughs) I don't know if anyone's picking up on what's happening right now, but the success leaves clues, including Sundays. And what Susan (laughs) just talked about was getting up at 430 rituals, habits, and there's really no coincidence. I mean, at the end of the day, if you do that and add 1%, you know, you could maybe achieve what Susan's achieving. And thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, Susan. You're welcome. And Nikhil, if you want to reach out to me on SusanSly.com, I'll be happy to set up a Zoom with you. I can give you, you know, my strategies for that. Um, yeah. So David wants to know who in your family was your biggest mentor role model growing up. And uh, yeah. And shout out to you, David. The, I think we met, it was just when hurricane Sandy was starting. I got the last, this is so cool. I I was calling, calling, I was flying to Washington DC to um, do like an event with uh, the, um, you know, some really cool people, let's put it that way. And uh, I got the last plane out of Newark to fly to Washington. Um, and I was in Washington at the Ritz during Hurricane Sandy with Harvey McKay, with um, some Charles Krauthammer, the late Charles Krauthammer yes, from Fox. Yes. Yep, rest in peace. He was yes. a badass. And so there were nine of us, and we were speculating on the election, and everything we called actually came true. It's a cool story. Anyway, so um, who is my biggest mentor and role model growing up? Un questionably, um, for organization, it was my grandmother. I was raised by my, uh, grandmother and my single dad, but I want to give shouts out to my dad. My dad was an engineer and he worked on some really cool projects. And in the seventies, there weren't a lot of single dads. And that's why, Mm. you know, even though I'm an advocate for women, I'm a freaking advocate for men, men. I'm going to riff off just for a minute, boys, but men get treated like crap all the time by women. And so, you know, like shouts out to the dads and the single dads. So I was raised by my single dad. My mom had, um, you know, 
gone her way. And, and my dad was, he's the one who taught me curiosity. He's the one who taught me early age. I was reading the art of war by Sun Tzu. I was Mm. reading, um, the Torah. I was reading, you know, all sorts of different things. And my dad is the one who said, you know, Susan, you can really do anything you want. And so when he was teaching me how to drive, I had to learn a stick shift. I'm like, everyone's driving automatic. Why do I have to drive a stick? And he's like, so you could drive a race car or a tractor. Cause they're both manual. Mm. I was like, okay. So, (laughs) you know, my dad is still alive. He's, he's funny. He listens to my show every single week. So I know I have at least one person watching and that's how I fell in love with football Wow! and Vince Lombardi. (laughs) So because of the seventies back in the day with your dad, right? Mm -hmm. And who's your football team now? So my team has always been the same team, the new England Patriots. Yes. Oh my God. I'm a steal I have, I have a, I, God rest your soul. Um, I, I, uh, you got some good players though. No, I am a huge Bill Belichick fan and, um, it's not about a player. I have, um, I have a Patriots room in my house. Um, I also am a Boston marathon bombing survivor. I've run, I witnessed 2013. I was real? in 2013. Oh I've run Boston six times. So yeah. I'm a, a huge Boston fan, but they're not my hockey team. Who no. is? Um, the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. 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 Right. Yeah. You but I was literally stories. in a sales meeting last week and this guy had like a, uh, a Philadelphia Flyers thing behind him. And I'm like, oh, Mario Lemieux. And he's like, you know, Mario Lemieux. I'm like, I'm Canadian. That's the, the first word you have to say is like, go Mario. <laughs> like, you know, it's like if you don't, they, they take away your residency card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh PJ Stock uh, is, is a buddy of mine. I, I know he's uh, doing some stuff with the Canadians. But uh, one, uh, Kyle is asking, how do I get my hands on your VA notes? Oh, yeah, that I haven't even published those yet, Kyle. That's a great question. So let me do this. Let me uh, turn it into a, a white paper and get it up on my website and you can just get it for free. Awesome. That's incredible. Awesome. Um, do you have time for one more question, Susan? Absolutely. As long as we can just before I do that, back to Vince Lombardi, because I know you're all saying, why did she say it like 50 times? Yeah, I got a question about it. It goes back to the scheduling thing, because Vince Lombardi used to say at the beginning of every season, gentlemen, this is a football and you've got to have your priorities straight. Your priorities are God, family, football in that order. And if you don't have your priorities straight, I'll kick you off the team. I don't care how good you are. And and when I first heard that quote from Mr. Lombardi, I said, I'm going to run my life like that. So my priorities are going to be God, my family, and then business. And anytime I've been feeling out of balance or I've been not feeling well, it's because I had the order mixed up. That's right. That's right. That's excellent. Uh, We have a question from Stefan. Stefan, you can go ahead and unmute yourself. Good evening. Hey, Stephen. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm outstanding. How are you? The, the first thing I'd like to mention is I love your headset. That, that oh. is just a, a professional headset right? you got right there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> my, my question to you is every business's challenge is growth. And what would be your number one uh, business growth tool as in lead generation? So mm. Rob and David have done amazingly well with their building their network and creating so many more appointments in a month, what would be your input on that? What would be your number one lead generation method? 
It depends on what kind of business that you're in. What's your business, Stefan? I'm in insurance and I'm in, uh, in supply chain financing. Oh, supply chain. Right now, my friend, that's a dirty word because the chip shortage for me. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, let me, let me give you some advice. So if our business isn't growing the way we want, oftentimes we say, well, I need more leads, right? And the thing I would say first and foremost, um, because leads are easy to come by, you have to have that abundant mindset. It's, it's not complicated, but the first thing to ask yourself is, am I innovating and how am I setting myself apart from the competition? It goes back to the blue ocean, red ocean strategy. If you haven't read that book, blue ocean, red ocean, excellent book. So when you're in insurance, there are a lot of aspects of insurance. Um, and you know, in terms of supply chain management and consulting, there are a lot of aspects of that. So how do you set yourself apart? So I'm just going to go through four things really, really quickly. The first thing that can never be discounted is your own network. So when mm-hmm. I am looking at I want to, you know, grow the business. I want another multiple, you know, eight-figure deal or whatever the case is, then I am going to go to my network first. I'm going to be crystal clear on who it is I'm looking for. And I will go to my network and say, who do you know? So who do you know who's the CEO of a hospital? Who do you know? And I only want to talk to decision makers, right? So that's the first thing I look at my network. Number two is I look at my ideal avatar and I will go back, Stefan, and I will create the ideal avatar. So who are they? What age are they? How long have they been in their career? And then where do they hang out on social media and what are their pain points? Number three, you're going to go to a website called answer the public answer. The public is a free service and you go to answer the public and you look up, you know, insurance or whatever kind of insurance it is you do. And you're going to see what their AI does is it scrubs all the search engines, Bing and Google and stuff. I don't know who uses being, but pretend people do. And they look at it and then they see what are the questions people are asking about that. And that's what you create your blog posts on. That's what you create your LinkedIn posts on. That's what you're talking to that ideal avatar. So it's answerthepublic.com. And then the fourth thing is I'm a big believer in A-B testing in my online lead generation. So one of the things that um, we look at, because when I went back into technology, as I said, I went hardcore into digital marketing. So when we're doing A-B testing, we're going to take our, um, our, you know, video ad video has a higher conversion rate for sales. It's almost 80% versus an image ad or a text ad. And then we're going to split test it with a very small amount of money, maybe $5 a day. And we're going to work that, you know, work the the wording around that. We're going to see which one is performing better. Um, If I were you, I'd probably be looking at YouTube as a modality. Facebook and Apple are still having a big iOS fight. Um, I'm going to say something bold. I'm not Nostradamus, but I predict that Facebook and Instagram, as we know, it won't even exist in three years. Mark Zuckerberg owns a ton of VR technology. He wants to be in the metaverse. If you don't know what the metaverse is, that's a whole other topic. Um, But, you know, that's where they want to be. They were never interested in, in recent history, us just sharing stuff on social media. So one of the things that I'm advising solopreneurs is take a good hard look at YouTube because Google is not going anywhere in terms of ad revenue. And then also take a look at... um, LinkedIn, which is ultimately owned by Microsoft. What, what about TikTok? What, what about TikTok? I, I get a lot of leads off of TikTok. Yes. So TikTok, the fastest growing user base on TikTok are people who are 40 plus. Mm-hmm. However, 
that I want to disclaim this because um, some of the AI that was created for TikTok, we don't know what data it's sending or what metadata it's sending. And there were even today coming out um, in the tech news that uh, WhatsApp, there were some severe data leaks there. And then Facebook is like, oh, we're only sending out your metadata. I'm like, you shouldn't be be sending out my freaking data whatsoever. Uh, Signal had massive leaks. So if you don't care about your data privacy, um, TikTok all the way. But Here's the question. Who's still on Clubhouse? A little bit, right? But it's changing. So here's my prediction. The next biggest social media platform is something no one's heard of yet because people are sick and tired of social media the way it is and advertisers are sick of it. The other thing we're seeing, and I'm I'm headed to the biggest digital marketing conference in the United States next week. Um, I've spoken at there a couple of times. I'm just attending this year. But the thing I will say is there is a big movement towards old school direct advertising and I'm talking postcards. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. Wow. Thank you for that breakdown. Jesus. That was I mean, I mean, Stefan, Stefan, I hope that you practice stenography, brother, because yeah. you literally just Jesus. got like an MIT education in about Ooh. 35 seconds right there. That was that is what we do on Infinity X. Bro. That's right. I mean, but this is like next That's, level. This Susan is, is no joke. You can just use a bunch of AI programs and transcribe this. So we do that with my podcast. We run it through AI. We put up the notes. Then there's another program. Um, if you go to my agency site, agency8.com, there's a program we use that will write all your blogs for you. You just write a paragraph and you can write in whatever you, so you have choices of the language. You can write like Oprah, Tony Robbins. You can write like um, Joe Rogan. You just wow. tell it the style and it takes your bullet points and it turns out a whole blog article like that's incredible the world is changing my friends it's fun i mean kyle just put into the chat i i've got to re-listen to this again and take more notes (laughs) we didn't even talk about crypto or markets like boys i need to get on an airplane there's something we can have yeah, let's. Yeah, listen. Um, I'd like to have another interview set up. Yeah, absolutely. After this, absolutely. If, if that's okay. Yep. Listen, uh, Susan, incredible. Um, I know you're taking some time out to speak with us, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear about crypto. I'd love to redo this and have more people on the call, though. I totally agree. You know, I totally so agree. Take really, this to if, a bigger if stage. It fits in Susan's schedule. Um, thank you for sharing everything. Unbelievable. I'm so grateful. Um, I can't believe your story. You know, it's um, wife, husband, I mean, wife, mom, grandma, business, kick-ass business entrepreneur, um, you know, what you're breaking down and what, what what's going on between Facebook, Instagram, what it looks like on, because on, we believe in YouTube. Listen, we started our own channel, Epic Financial Strategies, a year ago, and we're, we're getting organic, by the way, and we're approaching our thousand subscribers. You know, we're really working hard every day. We bring in a new video with with education. And then infinity X also started its own YouTube channel this month. So I, I know the value of YouTube, especially when you repurpose your videos and, you know, play in the space of the other places, but to your point, Facebook and Instagram, it wouldn't surprise me three years from now, if it's obsolete and a lot of folks out there that are relying on just one place for your business, you can get caught if you're not keeping up with the innovative changes and, and what you were just breaking down is incredible. We didn't even talk about when I was homeless in 2000. That's a whole other topic. But yeah, I think the bottom line message oh for God. everyone and thanks everyone for the chat. Love you guys. And um, if there was something I didn't cover. Um, just- How long were you homeless for? So I, um, in 
20, in the year 2000, I was diagnosed with progressive MS. Three days later, I caught my then husband having some extracurricular activities. Alas, he's the husband. God love him. We're good now. Um, 16 weeks later, I lost my business and I ended up homeless on my brother-in-law's sofa. And three years later, I started a business that ended up making me millions of dollars. But I think that the biggest thing, my message that I hope everyone leaves with is that you know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It matters what you're going to. And I heard Joel Osteen say that, and, you know, we've, and, you know, thank you, gentlemen, you guys are great interviewers. It's been a lot of fun, but I just want to acknowledge everyone because you never know on a Tuesday night when you're going to tune into the show and get that one thing that really takes you to the next level. And then you get another thing. It takes you to another level. We all have crap going on in our lives, but as entrepreneurs, we have to stay strong because I can promise you again, it, the future is not going to be the government saving people. It's going to be entrepreneurs hiring people. That's right. I agree hundred percent with that. Thank you so much, Susan. I had a blast. Um, Me too. I really enjoyed this. Love to connect offline and I uh, would love to have another interview. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, because the chat it. is absolutely blowing up saying we want more of this. Um, the, <laughs> the folks, the replay will be available on YouTube. Um, you know, obviously we'll have to, uh, you know, get the micro clips over to Susan, you know, for, co- yeah, for editing, et cetera. Um, but Susan, uh, it, it, it's been just an absolute honor and privilege to share the, share the stage with you this evening. Uh, Rob, any final finals, brother? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling immense gratitude. Uh, your message was incredible. I, myself, I'm going to listen to and take a lot of copious notes and probably have a lot of questions for you. Susan, last question from me. You have dinner with one person. Is it John Wooden or is it Vince Lombardi? Oh, Tune in next time. So hard. <laughs> it's so hard. John Wooden. It's John Wooden. Yeah. Rob knew. Mm-hmm. It John was John Wooden. Wooden. Yeah. And- <laughs> Kyle's like, it's me. Yeah. Next time I, I come back. I was going to say me as number two. Next time I come back, we'll wear sports jerseys. Yes. yes. And then, yes. and then we'll get like, there will be no holding back in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I'll have my Steeler gear on. I'll be ready to go. Okay. Right. I'm ready to go. Listen, I'm a giant. I, 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 Susan, I'm a giant fan. So you probably already hate me, but Ooh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate <laughs> my. You know, bad respect. It's people who stay with their team. I respect them more than anything. That's right. Amen. As long as no one's a Seahawks fan, I can be okay with that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we'll build off that next time. But Susan, again, it has just been an absolute honor and privilege. Um, just because one thing please Rob. we've never had a repeat guest just so you know yep you would be our first repeat guest yep yep <laughs> well, thank so, you and hi to kyle's wife by the way shout out to you <laughs> shout out to kyle's wife <laughs> shout out to everybody shout out to the entrepreneur that 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 stayed with us for an hour and 20 minutes um susan you are a megastar and um we see our future in you and we're so excited to uh to to to, to continue conversation offline but uh folks this is infinity x where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence you've been graced by susan slide this evening of in so many different verticals and um until next week um you know susan thank you very very much and we will see you guys on another episode of infinity thank you for tuning in to another episode of infinity x don't forget to check us out on youtube by searching we are infinity x until next time